more of in the very near future because this is tied in not only to seven literal churches that were in existence back in John's day, but it's a picture of the dispensations and stages that the church has gone through all the way down through time from Pentecost will end up to the close of the age. So, uh, and I um, try to uh, make everything as clear as possibly I can that you can understand this. And we're going to be going to Revelation, the second chapter, verses 12 through 17. <coughs> And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you, because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, <coughs> who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus... <coughs> You also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I also hate. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Father, as we come today, we thank you and we praise you for your word. Your word gives us hope, it gives us comfort, but it also gives us instruction and understanding in the ways that we should know. And I pray today that you will open our minds for the wisdom of God to be instilled therein, that we may know better of your truth that you have given and opened up to your people. Everything's accomplished. We'll give you the a praise in Jesus' name. Let the church say, Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Talking about the church in Pergamos, the compromising church. This church here uh, in Pergamos, what the Lord had to say about it, he told him he knew their works, just like he did, if you recall, in Ephesus. And then last week we talked about Smyrna. 
the church going through persecution and trial. But he had some things to say about Pergamos that's really astounding. And unless you take the time to search out and to study, your mind may be blank as to what in the world is he talking about of some of the things he's mentioned. Um, But those people who read that letter back in that day, it was obvious and clear to them. They knew what the references was. We have to go back to get some understanding. Some of the things he talked about, it was a place where Satan's throne was at and where Satan dwells. This was conditioned where the church was. The third church we come to in this series, the name Pergamos, the name itself means fortified. Fortified in the Greek. The same term is used for a stronghold. The city of Pergamos was a stronghold of paganism and false teaching. Jesus told John that it is where Satan's seat is. And we're going to um, go over some things. If um, where Satan's seat is, if they will put up the first picture, now it may be hard to tell here on the screen, but there in the foreground, you see three trees that is growing there. And all around behind in the background, if you will notice, these, this place where the trees are is a high elevated, uh, elevated place. A hill, uh, a small mountain that's, that's overlooking all that valley area. To kind of give you some kind of reference, if you understand and know Lookout Mountain, how it is up high, elevated, looking over the city of um, uh, Chattanooga to kind of give you a little uh, reference here. Underneath those trees, and uh, it's not clear, right, really good in this picture, but there is a foundation for a temple used to be, Uh, and it was there back in that day, and it was on this high hill overlooking the valley, which was the city of Pergamos. Next picture, please. In the day of John, this is what was sitting upon that foundation. It was a altar and temple to Zeus. 
and it was overshadowing the city. What you are looking at is the actual thing that was there on top of that hill. It is referred to as the seat of Satan. Um, and this was still there until 1880 when the people of Germany <coughs> went to Pergamos, took it down piece by piece, took it back to Berlin and put it back together and today, this right here is in a big total uh, building, a big museum that people all over the world come to. And many references that you find about this talks about this being the seat of Satan. It was an altar and a temple to Zeus, which you know was the greatest of all the Greek gods. I don't think it's coincidence. This was set up in Germany, in Berlin, in 1880. Thus, it was there at the time of one of the worst bloodthirsty dictators of all time as he stood and made his speech to the thousands and declared war on God's people. In front of this stood Hitler setting out the course to slaughter six million Jews. You see, Satan's plan is nothing new. When we talk about the Antichrist, the Apostle John said the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist, was alive back in that day. Hallelujah. It is fought against God's people all through time. Next picture, please. <coughs> At the top of that temple that you saw the picture of, there was a huge bronze bull. It was hollow on the inside, <coughs> and it was there it was the altar of sacrifice where people were sacrificed to Zeus. Now, if you look at the picture and notice the picture, what they would do would take the person that was condemned 
put him inside this hollow bronze uh, bull. They would build a fire underneath it. They would not be consumed by flames like Polycarp was in Smyrna, but as that bronze bull began to heat up and get hotter and hotter to the point of coming almost cherry red, the person inside would be slowly roasting to death. In our scripture, it mentions one man who the Lord gave praise to. Here was the Lord giving praise to a man. He said, even as Antipas, my faithful martyr, we can't say for sure. We don't know for sure. But the chances are nine times out of ten that Antipas that we read about in our scripture a while ago, this is how he died. He was put inside that hollow bull. And they lit the fires. And he was roasted to death because he failed to compromise his belief. These conditions posed a tough problem for the saints in the church there in Pergamos. This was a period of deteriorating moral standards and doctrine corruption. Satan had failed to destroy the church through persecution. As we talked about last week in Smyrna and how they were persecuted so bad. So instead, he endeavored to destroy the church through compromise. Christian standards were lowered, and a union was formed between Christianity and paganism. As, the, as a whole, the church had remained faithful. He, he commended them for being faithful. As a whole, they remained faithful to truth. But there was a growing fraction, faction of people wanting to tolerate and coexist as to bleed in with the culture in order to have peace. Notice, I'm going to read again. He said, I know your works and where you dwell where Satan's throne is, and you saw the picture of that throne, and you hold fast my name and did not deny my faith. Notice he said, my faith, even in the days in which Antipas, my faithful martyr, was killed among you, where Satan dwells. Hallelujah. But I got a few things against you. Because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. You've got also those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. You see, the problem with the church in Pergamos 
is they begin to compromise. They begin to put up with people in the church who was mixing worldliness and paganism with their beliefs in order to maintain peace and tranquility. I'm here to tell you today, church, there's a time for you to close your mouth and keep quiet, but there's a time if you're a true child of God, you're going to be forced to speak up. It don't matter what kind of turmoil it causes. That if you stand true to Jesus, if you stand true to his word, you are going to have to open your mouth and declare what is right and what is wrong. Antipas did that and he gave his life at the throne of the seat of the devil inside that bronze bull. They said, we got to coexist. We got to tolerate. But you see, toleration that they are teaching today means that you close your mouth and you accept whatever is the fad and what's going on for the sake of peace and unity. But I'm here to tell you, and Pastor is telling you today, you better be careful of who you unify with. It's not every church out there that I'm interested in joining ranks with. It's not every teaching and every doctrine out there that I want any part of. Even if it's to keep so-called peace. I wonder how many people have seen this symbol. On T-shirts, in various places, it's becoming more and more prominent today. This symbol is the symbol of an organization that has formed in recent years that's putting us in the same place now in these last days as Pergamos was back in that day. Each letter that you see, even though the letters are in different symbols, they all represent something and put together it is diabolical and God hates it just like he said he hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. The C there and coexist is not just a C, but it represents the crescent moon. So when I say crescent moon, 
you should know that it's referring to Islam with its crescent moon. The O that you're looking at, for those of you who are children of the 70s, no, that's the peace sign. It's been around for a while. It's a peace symbol that we have seen for decades. The E represents male and female, indicating no difference between male and female. But in reality, pushes transgenderism and the homosexual agenda. Just like they are telling people more and more, and you heard me say, that we no longer even need to ask somebody, are you male or female? It's this thing, the transgenderism, the thing, the thing issue with the bathrooms, which, by the way, still I refuse. If I have, if I have to go begin to sew fig leaves together again, amen, I will not go to Target to purchase nothing. Hello, somebody. The X is the star of David. Represents Judaism. I believe and I preach, and you, you that hear me preach and understand and know that I believe the Jews are God's people. I believe that they were blinded so the Gentiles could be grafted in. But also the day is fastly coming that the door to the Gentiles is closing and the day will come the only ones that will be saved again in the end time during the tribulation will be the Jewish people so God can make up his 144,000 to keep his uh, promise to Abraham. But that being said, the Jews in Jerusalem or wherever they may be who practice Judaism today as a means of salvation are lost. We do not follow Judaism today. It's not a means for salvation for nobody today. We do not take the blood of bulls and goats and sacrifice for somebody's sins. It didn't work back then, and it don't work now. The Jews, God's going to bring them in. But that's one reason why we got a great tribulation that's right around the corner fixing to hit. God is going to bring them through to fire so they'll realize who they are. Because all men and women and of every tribe, if they're going to be saved, has got to come to Jesus. And they got to realize that he is the Messiah. 
let me move on. I've got to move on. All right, we're down there to the star of David. The I, if you notice, is in the lower case. And the dot of the letter I has a star inside a circle. Do you know what that means and represents? It represents the Wiccan, W-I-C-A-N, the Wiccan faith and pagan religions. Now, when I say Wiccan, we're talking about witches and warlocks. We're talking about the church of Satan. Coexisting. You see what we're coming down to in the last days? You see why it's going to get to where you're going to have to speak up? You're going to have to draw that line in the sand? You're going to have to make a decision? Hey, when we talk about everybody coming together and we all getting along sounds good, but it's who and what you're getting along with that's going to determine where your soul's going to go. The S represents the yin and yang symbol, representing Eastern religions like Taoism and Confucianism and all of that Far Eastern stuff. And by the way, somebody gets upset with Pastor every time I say this, but I'm telling you right now, and I'm telling you that's what I... As a called anointed man of God that he has called me, there is no such thing as Christian yoga. People all over this country, people in churches, they, they have, they're being deceived. They're going out taking this yoga stuff and they think that they are trying to get their minds pure in their body and all that stuff. It is a form of paganism and heathen worship. If you, let me tell you something. I'm, I'm not against, a, amen, us clearing our minds and exercising and all that, but you better find a way to do it that don't come against the word of God. What you don't know will hurt you. Don't believe that old story, what you don't know can't hurt you. That's a lie. Hallelujah. I may pick up a poisonous snake, not knowing that it's poisonous, but if that thing bites me just because I didn't know it wasn't poisonous, don't mean I'm going to be protected from it. Hallelujah. Finally, the T that got on the end of that, they got it in there, and this whole thing was designed by these people to bring everything together. It represents the cross, Christianity. Now, 
this would be great if all this symbol meant was that we need to quit killing each other and coexist on the planet. That would be great if that's all it meant. However, this is not what this symbol means. I'm speaking to you from my heart. I'm speaking to you with the, the wisdom and the knowledge that God has directed with me. This is not what this symbol is and is about. The symbol represents man's theory of tolerance. This tolerance is summed up on a quote. If you go to the homepage of the Coexist Foundation website, you will find this statement there on their website. God has given us many faiths, but only one world in which to coexist. That is their thing. It says, God has given us many faiths. Do you believe that? Do you believe there's many faiths? My Bible tells me there's one Lord, one, one faith, one Lord, and one baptism. You hear that, Internet people? One faith. And it, it's not Islam. It's not the Muslims. Uh, amen. It's not all the, it, it's not Judaism. Uh, amen. It's not the, the transistor and the homosexual agenda. Amen. It's not Confucianism. It is Jesus Christ. And you know the shocking thing, the man who come up with this, God has given us many faiths. It was first said by a chief rabbi of the United Hebrew Congregations. My Lord, how could a, a rabbi in the Hebrew congregations say God has given us many faiths when the, the scripture that their whole belief is rest upon comes from Judah, uh, Deuteronomy uh, uh, chapter 6 I believe it is in verse 4 if I'm not mistaken Hear O Israel the Lord our God is one We live in a world that is conditioning our minds to be tolerant. That there is no right or wrong. There is no truth or error. Just coexist and believe what you want and it's good enough. Let anybody believe what they want to believe. Let's just simply coexist. There's Many roads that lead to heaven. You might be on a different path than me. 
but we all get there by and by. The sad thing is that thousands upon thousands are going to be deceived by following that. This symbol is becoming more and more prevalent. You're going to see it more often in the future. But you remember the next time you see it, what I told you this thing represents. It's the same thing that the church in Pergamos dealt with 2,000 years ago. They said, we have got to just tolerate and get along with everybody and all beliefs. It don't matter what they believe. And Jesus said, you are compromising church, and I'm fixing to come and fight you with the sword that comes out of my mouth if you don't repent. The church in Pergamon was dealing with that same thing. They were tempted to tolerate teachings that were not true. The city of Pergamon was an important center of pagan and peril religion and all these things. They were taught to coexist with error. There's some things, folks, even though you may love everybody, there's some that you cannot coexist with. Come on. Hallelujah. There are some things you cannot coexist with. There's some faiths and there are some religions that is dominated by demon spirits. I like to travel. I like to sight, see, and see things. But I'm telling you right now, if I was to be going through Salt Lake City, I would not even have a temptation whatsoever and a thought to stop there and go through the Mormon tabernacle. I'm not interested in walking on Satan's territory. I read an article in a magazine several years back where they was taking tours through that great big Mormon tabernacle. And as they was taking the tours, one of the people had a child, 10, 11 year old, all of a sudden fell down and begin to scream and holler and yell and sit, uh, like a snake and foam at the mouth. The people in the tour group, some of them got upset. The parents, what in the world, what, what's going on? And the tour guide said, oh, don't worry about it. Says, he'll be all right. Says, this happens a lot to people that comes through here. We figure it must be just the spirit of mourn. you buy that, I got some oceanfront property in Arizona I want to sell you. Don't walk on the devil's territory if you don't want what the devil's got. 
Hallelujah. There's one point that I'm going to bring out today. Is we are to be keepers of the flame. Hallelujah. We are to be keepers of the flame. What do I mean by that? The church has been given the assignment to declare and defend the truth of God's holy word. If you know the truth today, if you understand the truth, God didn't just let you see that and give you that so you can make it a pet or whatever and hold on to it. But if you've been given that, then you've got, you've got an obligation. I'm not talking about if you call yourself a preacher or not. You've got an obligation to declare and to defend truth of God's holy word. You are obligated to that. You might not like it, but God obligates you to that. God expects you to defend his word. And if you keep quiet and allow his word to be defamed, I believe that you will be brought to judgment for it. We, listen to me. I'm, I, I'm not going to be too much longer, but listen to me. We are not to water down, to compromise, or blend in the message of the gospel with any other message which the world tries to embrace. The fire of God was lit at Pentecost, and we are keepers of that flame. If you remember then the time of Moses and the tabernacle in the wilderness, Brother Bobby talked a little about the tabernacle teaching this morning. If you remember, Aaron and his sons were placed in charge of the tabernacle ministry. They became the Levites and they were the ones to be in charge. And Aaron had two sons by the name of Nadab and Abihu. And the scriptures called, said that while they were ministering that they offered strange fire. You remember that? As they ministered before the Lord. And because of that, God killed them. I've heard so many opinions about what that strange far was. But I'm not guessing. I know what it was. I know what it was that was so severe that God struck down those two young priests of Aaron. What was that strange fire? Brother Bobby mentioned something about the temple. After they, when they dedicated it, they had the altar there, and he read to you where the fire came from heaven, 
and fell and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. When Moses set up the tabernacle and you walked in that tabernacle, the first thing you saw was the brazen altar. That's where the sacrifices were made. When Moses and all of them got all that put together and they dedicated that, God did the same thing. When they praised God, fire came down from heaven and it lit the fire on the altar. They did not light the fire on the altar. God lit it. The priest had to take some of that fire and they had to go into the tabernacle and they used fire from that altar to light the candlesticks, to light the altar of incense for it to burn. <coughs> Everything that, that used fire in the tabernacle came from the fire of the altar that was lit from God. It was their responsibility, Brother Paul, to keep the fire burning on the altar. Oh, oh my. Oh, if you let the Spirit of God speak to you, you're going to see where I'm going here. Hallelujah. God lit the fire. It was God who originated the fire, but it was their responsibility to keep it burning. Come on. You, they never let that fire go out. That fire on the altar burnt 24-7, 365 days in a year. They were to get fire from the altar to light other things all through the tabernacle. Here come Nadab and Abihu. They decided to bypass the altar. I have people come to me all the time, say, I want you to baptize me. My first question is, have you been to the altar? Have you repented? Come on, have you turned your life over to God? Hallelujah. Because you have got to, you cannot bypass the altar and go straight to the water. What I do with you back there don't save you. What God does for you right here is what saves you. Do you hear me? Salvation ain't in the water. Salvation is in the blood. When they killed the sacrifices, they collected the blood in the bowl, and what did they do? They sprinkled it on the horns of the altar. God says, you keep the fire burning on the altar. Nadab and Abihu, they decided to bypass the altar and go straight to the tabernacle. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. We, we're, we're, not, we're not sipping on a glass of milk today. We're eating the meat of the Word of God. Hallelujah. It chokes some people, but some people can receive it. And if you receive it, it's going to make you grow. Hallelujah. They did not get the fire from the altar. They lit their own fire, and they went into the tabernacle 
to use the fire that they lit rather than the fire that God had from heaven. God says, no, he struck them dead before they offered strange fire. Now, this ain't what I'm preaching about today, but I've got to interject this here. It was God who started the fire in your soul when he filled you with the Holy Ghost. It's up to you to keep that fire burning. Don't let it die. You keep it burning. You keep it burning. Keep that fire burning. That's your responsibility. God lit the fire. You had nothing to do whatsoever with God's work in you. God did it for you through grace. Come on, somebody. You're saved by grace, not by works, lest any man should boast. But you do have a responsibility to keep that fire burning and not let it go out. Hallelujah. So, church, we are the keepers of a flame. Jude chapter 1, not chapter 2 and not chapter 3 or 4. Three and four. He said, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered for all which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed. See, it happened back at Pergamos. Certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and only Lord Jesus Christ. One more scripture, and I'm going to close. Galatians chapter 1. We are keepers of the flame. I marvel, Paul said, that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ and to another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But this is what he said. But though we, Paul said, even if it comes from me, even if I come next year and I start telling you something else, or even if an angel from heaven appears and that angel speaking another gospel, it might be an angel, but it ain't an angel from heaven. Hallelujah. How many knows that not all angels come from heaven? Hallelujah. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than what you have received, let him be a curse. Wow. God has not called anybody in this house to coexist with anyone else. 
God has called you to, to stand out and be a city set on a hill that can't be hid. My Lord, I don't know why in the world why so many Christians spend so much time, time trying to be like other folks when God called you out from other folks. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. Pergamos had a problem. And that problem is coming into the church today. We cannot compromise our values and our message. Those values and that message has got to stay true. Even though and it has and it will if it calls division in families. Hallelujah. Jesus made a statement that upset so many people. You know, there was a group of uh, preachers got in Nashville a few years back. We were still over to the building. And they spent time, all of these preachers from various denominations, and they took the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they decided, they said, well, you know, all of this stuff that's written in red couldn't really been said by Jesus. So we're going to come together and we're going to study and put our brains together and we're going to decide what this stuff, how, how much of this stuff Jesus really said because some of that stuff Jesus couldn't have said. And they come out with a list of things. Really, they figured it was said by Jesus. They took out probably 75% of the words in red in your Bible. And one of those things that Jesus said, that they said it couldn't have come from Jesus because it was against Jesus' character. Jesus said, uh, Think not that I've come to bring peace on the earth. I've come not to bring peace but a sword. This coexistence and this toleration says, Jesus couldn't have never said that. It goes against the nature of what we know about Jesus. If you stand for truth, sometimes it'll bring division. It's not uh, it's not good. But sometimes it comes. But you have to make that decision. Let's all stand together.